Alleluia! Christ is risen! The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia! The Lord is risen indeed. But where is he? He's risen, but he's not here. Did you pick up on that? What a strange resurrection account Mark gives us. It's a resurrection without a resurrected Jesus. The man in the tomb tells the women who have come to anoint Jesus' body that he has already gone ahead of them to Galilee. And in a move that is perhaps appropriate for an Easter that falls on April Fool's Day, this story of the resurrection is the punchline in a joke that Mark has been building for chapter and chapter and chapter. You see, at every point in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus does some kind of healing miracle, he tells those gathered around him, go and tell no one. And of course, they run and tell everybody. So now, when it counts at the resurrection, when the women are told, go and tell everyone, they run away in fear and tell no one. The only real witness to the resurrection this morning, or so it would seem, is the empty tomb itself. The wound in the earth has become the womb from which Jesus is reborn. Much of the Easter proclamation that runs through Paul and that the church's liturgies pick up centers on Jesus as the new Adam. And in this morning's Gospel account, we see that link more directly. God molded the first human being from the clay of the earth and filled that creature with the breath of heaven. Flesh and word, matter and spirit joined together from the beginning. And like that first earth creature, here Jesus is reborn from the very stuff of the earth expelled from the womb that was a tomb, from the ground, born to the new creation. And yet, he has already gone ahead of us, leaving us only the empty tomb as witness and icon of the new and abundant life of God, flowing out of Eden, to water the garden of the world. But how do we sing the Lord's song in a strange and hostile land? We live today in a world of staggering loss. Loss upon loss, piled high like so many corpses on a field of battle. And we will never recover much of what has gone and is going. When the last maple has shed its orange leaf, as it almost certainly will, we will never have it back again.
And when the last polar bear dies, that majestic creature will live only in our memory. And I wonder, the next time a young black man is gunned down at a traffic stop and his blood waters the ground like the blood of Abel, will we again join our cry to the earth's supplications? What does resurrection look like in the face of this flood of loss? How do we proclaim the good news of God in Jesus Christ as the darkness around us grows deeper, not lighter, and when the light seems further away than it ever has? Like us, Mark and his community knew something of the crushing violence of empire. And in the face of that juggernaut, Mark offers the empty tomb as the proclamation of God's faithfulness and love to humankind. We might see in the spaciousness of the tomb, in its largeness, an example of what it means to live the resurrected life of Christ right here and now. Perhaps, like the tomb, we are called to hollowness. In the words of Christine Lore Weber's poem, Some of you I will hollow out. I will make you a cave. I will carve you so deep the stars will shine in your darkness. You will be a bowl. You will be the cup in the rock collecting rain. I will do this because the world needs the hollowness of you. I will do this for the space that you will be. I will do this because you must be large, a passage. People will find their way through you. I will do this because you must be large, a passage. People will find their way through you. You see, God doesn't save us from our lives or from the times in which we live. Rather, God gives us the strength to live our lives fully, to drink them to the dregs. God raises us up in the midst of our times to be witnesses to the life that really is life. God doesn't stop the violence of empire that bears down upon us, but God gives us the assurance of a love that far outstrips all that empire can do, so that we know deep in the bones that though the rulers and powers of this world may kill our bodies, they cannot touch our souls. And some of us, God hollows out with new life, 
hollows us to be a tomb in which to lay the polar bear and the maple. Hollows us to be a bell tolling in witness to the lives of children killed while they study. Hollows us to be a throat calling out for justice, wailing in lamentation and singing songs of hope and resistance. A throat proclaiming the great and unending Alleluia of God of life flowing from the heart of death like the waters of Eden. Some of us, some of us God hollows out to be a passage through which to lead God's people from the bondage of empire into the promised land of freedom. Now that is what I call resurrection. So this morning, let us join with all those who have gone before. Let us cry out with saints and ancestors, with the river and the oak, with the empty tomb and the God-bearer's womb. And let us pray to be like that tomb, a womb from which Christ may be born again and again and again and again to bring light to the gathering darkness. Alleluia, the Lord is risen indeed.